This morning, Father's Day, I entitled my sermon, Dear Dad. Dear Dad. There's twofold to this. Number one, I want to speak to the fathers in this house. Dear dads, dear fathers, or dear fathers-to-be. Second, I also want to speak to potential fathers, young ones. I don't know how young you are in this place, but I met a, a few, uh, 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 one or two, 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds, who knows? And I hope and I pray that you will be fathers, and I hope you will remember this sermon and take hold of what God wants to say. And then there's a third category, everybody who is not a male, all right, in this place. So you're female, and maybe, maybe a part of this sermon relates to you. Maybe as a daughter, a part of this sermon will relate to you. And as, as I was praying, trust me when I had, this is not my first draft. This is not even my second. This is not my third. I changed my sermon for this because I just felt this week, God wants to talk about the book of Deuteronomy. You know, I was researching about fathers. I want to talk about the book of Ephesians. I even almost preached on Malachi 4, Pastor Aaron's message. It was, a, oh, dude, it was so powerful. Please go and catch it. It was a powerful sermon. I, I told him yesterday I wish he could preach today because I think the whole church needs to hear it. So it's a powerful sermon. Go catch it. I wanted to preach on Malachi. I wanted to preach on Ephesians. But just on Monday, God says, no, turn to the book of Deuteronomy and you would find the Magna Carta for families. Do you know in the book of Deuteronomy, there's a Magna Carta for families? Magna Carta is like a charter. It's like a code for families. So I call it, my first portion, the code for families. There is a code, a constitution that every family, if you follow this constitution, God says, you will do well in the land. And I get it from Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is the Magna Carta for families. I want to read it for you. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me, me being Moses, to teach you, you being Israel, to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them. See, this is, so when God talks about Deuteronomy 6, he's not only speaking to Israel as a nation, he's actually speaking to families. He's really speaking to families. So a lot of the Bible scholars says that this is the code for family in their whole entire Bible so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Next. Hear, O Israel. Now, this is the Shema law, right? These two verses is the Shema law, so this is the, the, the law of the whole book of Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O S-I-B-K-L, this morning. The Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strengths. And then it goes back to the code for families. These commandments, these Shema law that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Amen. And I truly believe that if we hold to Deuteronomy 6, I believe we will build strong families. I, we, we, I believe we will build a strong generation for God. And I believe it is the heart of every man and also every mother here in this place that we want to build a strong generation. There will come a point in every man's life all right, when I was younger, because I went through that transition myself. I went through the point when I was a younger guy, I feel like I could conquer the world. I feel like I'm, I'm the best, I'm the general, I should conquer the world. And you know, if, and I'm talking about a 21-year-old me. Is that okay? I was 21, I was young, I was energetic, I was youthful, I was without bodily 
physical pain. I was without responsibilities. I was without anything. I thought, wow, you know, this is the time for me to conquer the world. I want to achieve this. 25 years old, I want to be the millionaire. By 30 years old, I want to retire. And I want to blah, 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 blah. All right? But there will come a point of every man's life when you get married and you have children that that line of thought will shift just a little bit. It will shift. All right? Instead of like, you want to achieve the world, now you go, when I die. All right? I, you know, they will, I don't know what age you are, but I shifted when I was 36, all right? I, I shifted two years ago, uh, 35, 36, and then I go, actually, when I pass away, I, I, don't, I don't know if my son needs a million dollars. He'll be fine. I don't know if my son needs a house, but I tell you what, before I got married, before we had children, I actually wrote down the legacy I want to live, leave for my children. What is my legacy for my children? And as we read the book of Deuteronomy, Moses also had a legacy for Israel. And I want to ask you this morning, what is your legacy for your children? What will your children remember you by? What would your children say about you when you do pass on to the next life and you do spend eternity with God? And that is mine. I even know what I would like to write on my tombstone, my epitaph. All right, my tombstone. Uh, um, but I will not reveal it to you because I'm 38, a little bit too morbid. Uh, give me 20 more years and then I'll tell you again, right? What I want to write on my tombstone. So I know I have a little notebook and this is the legacy I want my children uh, to hold. And as I speak, I will reveal a little bit about that legacy. But I only have three points this morning about the code for families. And I would like for us to pay close attention because today it is my prayer it is really my prayer that there will be a change, a move of God in our families today. I really pray. And I'm humbling myself before God and says, God, you know, it is my heart's desire to see families come together today. It is my heart's desire to see fathers' hearts turning to their children, turning to their wives and their mothers and, the, and vice versa. It is really my heart that we will just kneel before God and says, God, I cannot do this without you. My first point there is a fight for families. There is a fight for families. You see, there is a few mindset that we could hold. It's either we have family fights or we fight for families. It's either we fight for the families because the world is fighting against families. Did you not know? that the world comes up against generations. The world will fight against families. And because we are so ingrained within the world, sometimes we forget who we fight for, and we start to fight each other. Where do I pull it? I pull it from, again, Deuteronomy 6. I want to land here today. Deuteronomy 6, uh, verses 1, 3, 14, 18, and 19 says, these are the commands, blah, 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 in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. I highlighted the word possess, because it states that you have to go and possess the land. When you possess the land, you're going to need to fight. Hear, O Israel, that you may increase greatly in a land that God has promised you. God has promised you a good family. God has promised you a promised land in your families. But you are going to need to fight to claim that land and stake your claim to say, this is my family. You see, if you are a head of the household here, so keep the verses up, thank you. If you are the head of the household, you would know that me, I can't pray for your family because God never gave me the authority over your family, over your children. 
God never gave me that authority, but I can pray for my family because God has instituted me the authority over my wife and my two children. Likewise for you, it is the responsibility of the head of the household to claim, to stake your claim in the spiritual over your families. Verse 14, do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. You see, it's very important when we fight for families, there will always be a world that will come up against you. There will always be other gods. There will always be a spiritual fight that you're going to need to fight for families. And, and it says here, Moses warned Israel, God warned Israel, don't follow other gods. Don't follow the ways of the world. Don't follow the patterns and the paganistic rituals of the other gods, the gods of the people around you. Verse 18, do what is right and good in, a, in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you and you may go in and take over the good land that the Lord promised, thrusting out all your enemies before you. I find this very interesting that in, even in the book of Deuteronomy, when, the, when we talk about the code for families, and, and God says, here is the Shema law for Israel. It says, in the midst of all these verses, there is a fight that there is a fight that we need to fight for our families. And I ask myself, I wish I could put up pictures, but I was having a conversation with Pastor Miranda that uh, there are a lot of copyrights on the internet, so I can't put up my pictures, so I put up words instead, right? Because my sources are way too long for, for, for all the copyright issues. But here are words, my next slide. What is the fight that the world is throwing against families? What is this fight that the world throws against each and every one of us? This is not just a Father's Day thing. This is a family thing. Mothers take note. Children take note. There is a fight. You know, I put every single word up here, and it's not finite. There is a lot more. I just couldn't fit it in my slide, and I don't want to take uh, my whole sermon talking about the problems of the world. But if you take a look, all these things are actually very close to my heart. I'm actually quite bothered by it because I don't have an answer, but I know only God has an answer. See, in, in the future, the, let's go from top down. Is that Okay. How many of us already know that crypto and NFTs are already here? Do you know, just in case you didn't know, that in the crypto recent crash, there are a lot of young people that lost a lot of money? It may not be in Malaysia, but I know in Singapore, I know in Thailand, I was reading the, the, local, the, 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 the Southeast Asian news, I know in America, I know in Britain, and I know some Malaysians, that young people are so intrigued by fast cash. So intrigued by, you You know, you, you invest in crypto, invest in NFTs. Now, I'm not against crypto NFTs. Don't get me wrong. Is that okay? All I'm saying is that these are so attractive to the next generation. Whereas if you ask people like Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, or maybe the older ones, like I, I feel like sometimes on this front, I'm a little older. Like I, I wanted to, but I wasn't so sure. You ask us, crypto has no worth. Gold has worth because you can, you can feel gold. You can't feel crypto. So I, you know, I, I half belong to that, that mindset. But the truth be told is it attracts the next gen. And when there is a crash in the market, you know, so many young people lost a lot of money. There was one young man who took his life because he's lost his life savings investing in crypto. Do you know there's a lot of digital addiction? Just in case you're thinking it's the next gen problem. No, it's our problem. If you're addicted to Candy Crush, it's also you, okay? <laughs> Candy Crush, statistically, it's an a above 50 kind of game, all right? The younger ones don't play Candy Crush. We play PUBG nowadays. days. Is that okay? We, we no longer play the Candy Crush. Is that all right? So uh, uh, we're, we're all addicted to our digital devices. You see so many families, go for a Father's Day meal. Can I just encourage you? At your Father's Day meal, put your phone aside. 
Put your phone. My wife tells me all the time, babe, put your phone aside. Work comes later. This is family time. I go, okay, all right. Put the phone aside. Stop playing the Candy Crush and spend time one-on-one, face-to-face times. Do you know the word influences on the right there? Do you know that the world influences our next gen more than us? Do you know that influencers out there have 20 million followers? 15 million followers. Do you know that the top 10 young influencers beneath the age of 13 have earned 2 million US dollars a year already? How much have you earned? <laughs> How much have I earned? They're, they're not even 13 and they're on social media and they're influencing the world. They're influencing the next gen to buy toys, to, to go on digital platforms, and they're earning tons and tons of big bucks, and this is the future my kids will grow up with, right? Do you know that cyberbullying is on the rise? I was speaking to, you know, I've, I've got a privilege of speaking to campus and a little bit, a few youth now this, this, this year, and you know, I, I found out, and your children may not admit to you because it's a little shameful, but there is a lot of cyberbullying going on. That in, on the internet, they are, your, your children are called names, your children are called profanities, and they're so ashamed of it, they still feel so guilty that they can't, they can't tell you about it, and they, they spiral into these mental issues. So opposite cyberbullying is mental issues. So do you see a rise in suicide rates, a rise in depression, a rise in anxiety, a rise in stress levels among our youth now these days? Do you know that on the internet, sexual content, you know, if I can say that porn, the word porn is the thing of the past. Hardcore, softcore, whatever, whatever it may be, right? If you, you just turn on Netflix, in every simple series, you would find gender identity just being aired openly. And I'm quite sure we're all exposed to it. But if we are 55 years old and above, we may have the maturity to discern that, hey, you know, this is not right before the eyes of God. But if you're 13 years old, will you hold that maturity? Or will you be influenced by the world? That's my worry for my kids. Do you know that the metaverse is so popular? Do you know that it said, I just read Forbes, it says that the metaverse in, two, in three or five years' time will be worth $5 trillion to earn. The metaverse is influencing our next gen to have online gaming a lot more because that's where you can earn cryptocurrency and that's where you can be a millionaire by 12 years old or 10 years old or 15 years old. Do you know online gaming is, is big? Phone gaming is even bigger. All right, now these days, you cannot download a game that halfway through, they're asking you to buy something, right? $1.99, 50% off, all right? Buy this gem or that gem or whatever it is, right? Uh, relevant truth. Now, relevant truth is close to the church. Do you know that in this, in this day and age, it's more and more difficult to, to discern what is true and what is false? It's more and more difficult, especially for our next generation, when there are so many fake news out there when, when, when COVID-19 hits, right, what is true, what is false, there's so much argument and dissension in the church of God that truth no longer comes with a capital T, but now it's a small T. Truth to you is different from truth to me, and truth to me is different from the truth of the next guy. When the Word of God says there is only one truth, it starts with a capital T, and it starts with the Word of God. That's the only truth. But if, our next, if we don't fight for our families, there are wars, there are famines, there are natural disasters. You know chicken? Chicken is now 10 ringgit per kilo. Do you know? All right, in my time, I feel like an old uncle. I'm going to say this. During my time, when I was younger, chicken was 5 ringgit per kilo, all right? <laughs> this was just, what, eight years ago. All right, before COVID, it was 7 ringgit per kilo. Today, it's 10 ringgit per kilo. And I hope in my children's time, what is it going to be? 20 ringgit per kilo just to eat a drumstick? Just to eat chicken? 
or we're fighting a war for families. And today I just want to say to every single one of us, we have to stop fighting each other. And we have to realize that the longer we fight each other, the longer we have bitterness against your parents, the bitterness against your kids, that your kids is this, your kids is that, and you're fighting spouse against spouse, or, or your spouse against in, in-laws, and, and, or, or against your own biological parents, and you keep fighting each other, the more you fight each other, the more the devil wins. Because there is a world and an oppressive system out there that is coming up against your family. And if we don't open our eyes to fight cyberbullying or anxiety or pray in the spiritual for our children's spiritual health or physical health, that we're just fighting each other all the time, oh man, we're going to lose this battle for the next generation. Older generation, we need to wake up and say that my children is part of the next generation of church. I'm going to need to intercede for my next generation because their world is different from my world and it's going to be different from your world that we face. But I tell you, there is always going to be one constant God. And there is only this God that comes into the life of families that families have the weapons to fight against the world. That the families will have, you know, I was asking my, you know, I was asking God just, Oh, seven months ago, I said, look, God, I, I, I know all this, and if I go deeper, it's even scarier, all right? I haven't even go to the dark web, or web three, or whatever it is. Now, web three is not a bad thing, but it can be, right? It has a potential to be, right? So I've been praying. I said, God, how am I going to bring up my sons? How am I going to bring up the next generation in this church if the future looks so scary? And God says, and I says, God, I, if I turn to the book of Psalms, it says, thou shall fight the better verse, with the scripture. No, God never gives us a blueprint of how to fight cyberbullying. God never gives us a blueprint of how to fight anxiety and depression. Now, did he? God says, I tell you what, you only have one weapon and the weapon stands no matter what faces your way. When you are young, churches argue whether we should have pews or chairs, right? We don't argue about that anymore, but we have a different challenge now and God says, you're going to need to pick up the word of God, the sword of the spirit, the Spirit of God, and you're going to need to fight and intercede for families. And God says, read Deuteronomy 6. Families, today, read Deuteronomy 6. Read Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6 will be the blueprint for you to fight for the next generation. As long as we draw near to the heart of God, God says, I will fight the battles for you. Exodus 14, 14, stand still and see the deliverance of the Lord. And God says, Moses, don't worry that the enemies are coming up against you. All you need is to be still before God, know who God is, raise up your hands in prayer, and God says, I will split the Red Sea for you. Stand still and see the deliverance of the Lord. But many of us, we forget that this is the most precious commodity that we have. Do you know that if you want to stop your children from watching anything on the internet, parental security only does this much? It only does this much, all right? If your children has half a brain, they will know how to get rid of this much of security, right? And I believe all your children will know how to. If they don't, they just need to go to school and their friends will teach them. Parental security, it's only going to do this much. Modem, internet security, is only going to do this much. But the Word of God is going to do this much. You put the Word of God in your children, and your children will know how to fight porn. Because porn goes against God. And the children will say, no, I, I may not need security, but I don't want this. Because I want this. I want God. And it starts with us, the fathers, to role model for them 
We need not to be ashamed anymore as fathers. You know, we want to be macho. Like I always tell my wife, why, do, why does the Holy Spirit always have to make me cry on stage? You know, I feel less of a man every time I cry on stage and I always blame the Holy Spirit, right? But every time I, I go, Holy Spirit, please, I know I want you to fall, but you can do everything you want. Just don't make me cry. Just don't make me cry, right? And the Holy Spirit says, no, because you are crying for the next gen. Your heart is crying out and you're interceding. That is how you intercede. That's how Jeremiah intercedes. The prophet, just how Isaiah intercedes. That's how Hosea intercedes and says, God says, maybe you're going to be the next Ezekiel, next Elisha. I want you to cry for the next gen. That's my how I got to move on. We got to fight for our families. So church, later on, I want, I, I want to open the altars because if you are fighting with your wives, fighting with your children, and you're in a big, you're in a heat of the argument, and you're fighting, and you're fighting, and you're fighting, and you're fighting. Husbands, I want you to remember one thing, only one thing today. Because when you fight, you fight on your knees. With my hands lifted up, oh God, the battle belongs to you. You don't have to fight with words. You don't have to fight with your fist. You know, in, in, in the MCO, I do know that abuse cases have, has, has been on the rise because of the stress at home. But can I encourage us men that our machoism does not come from how hard we punch, but how high we raise. Our machoism does not come from how fast we run, but how we kneel before God. The strength of a man does not come from the strength of his physique, but the meekness of his heart. And when we fight for families, we men just need to be still and know that he is God and he fights for us. But we need to take that step forward and say, God, I need you. Which leads me to my second point. You fight for families, you fear the Lord. You fight for families, you fear the Lord. I, wanna, I pulled this from Deuteronomy chapter 6 again. My second point, fear the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, 2, 13, 24 says, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord, your God. Verse 13, fear the Lord, your God. Serve him only and take your oaths in his name. Verse 24, the Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord. You know, I, 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 I read fathers are mentioned 65 times in the book of Deuteronomy just so you know, which means Deuteronomy has 34 chapters, which means that on average, every chapter is 1.8 times the word father is mentioned. Fathers are so important to the book of Deuteronomy because God says, if, you, if a weak fathers get it right, our next gen will get it right, and they will be fathers, and they will get it right. So fatherhood is important in the book of Deuteronomy, but God says, you know, out of all the chapters, when I talk about the Magna Carta for family, the code for families, and the Shema law, the word fear appears three times, the most in all chapters. Three times, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Don't fear the world. Don't fear your enemies, but fear the Lord. Do you know, we men, I'm going to admit it on behalf of all men. So ladies, take this as men's admission, all right? You may or may not get it from your husbands, but uh, you'll get it from me. I'll represent all men today. We are filled with fear. Just in case you don't know, the more macho we are, sometimes the more fearful we are inside, outside. We are all full with fear. Don't believe me? Do you know that a lot of men here fear not being able to provide for their families? 
with the rising cost of food, with MCO, with the economy downturn. You know, a lot of men fear not being able to provide for their families. Now, we don't tell you, we won't say it, honey, I'm fearful today. You, no man would do that, all right? Stop praying for it, all right? Um, it ain't gonna happen, guys, uh, or ladies. It ain't gonna happen, all right? But I tell you, deep down inside, we do fear, especially when we know our, our friends are doing okay, the other families are doing okay, then God says, God, what about my family? Well, what about me, all right? I'm fearful for my family. And, and when we hold that worldly fear that we cannot provide, what do we do as men? We go out to the workplace and we spend 20 hours a day there because we want to provide for our families. And then the wives become home. Where are you at home? You're not at home to look after, you know, then a fight happens, right? At, at home. But it all stems from the fear of not being able to provide. What about the fear of significance? Do you know that every man, every single man, want to be significant? Or at least hold some... Now, when we say significant, I'm not saying that everybody wants to be King Solomon and King David, all right? I'm not too sure every man is an Elon Musk or Bill Gates here. But every man wants to be significant in the community, in your workplace, in your families. I want to be, I want to be significant. I want to know that my, my kids are proud of me, that when they say, what did your dad do for a living? I don't, I don't know. You know that's, I, that, I know my kids are not proud. I want my kids to be proud. My dad's a fireman. My dad's a poli my best policeman. He's an economist. I don't know. He's a lawyer or he's a whatever it may be. We want that significance. We need to be acknowledged. And we fear being insignificant. So what do we do? We go out in the workplace and we demand a promotion. We demand career progression because we fear there's a lot of insecurities within us. But the, and I've got a long list, but perhaps at the top of my list is every man fear not being respected. I don't know any man here that says, I'm not respected. Ah, it's okay. I don't know any man. You may, not, or may or may not want to admit it, but every man fears being disrespected. By who? By our wives and our families. We fear that our wives and our families won't respect us. Ladies, you fear not being loved. But we men, we know you love us, but we fear you don't respect us. You see, love and respect are two different things. I can love you, but I may not respect you very much but I still love you because what choice do I have? You came out of my body, all right, son? All right, I love you, but please behave, all right? Two different things, and we want to be respected by our wives. What happens when we don't get that respect? We get a patriarchy system that thumbs women down, don't you think? So women, you ask, why does men thumb me down? Why do they talk over me? Why, 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 why this, why that? Why are men so egoistical? It's because we fear not being respected. So what do we do? We demand respect. We take it from you because we are well, physically stronger. So we thumb women down. It's all across the Bible. What else do we fear? I wrote one more. Do you know that men, we fear rejection a lot? A lot of men, we fear being rejected. Why does some men not, uh, uh, is so scared to ask a girl, would you go out with me? fear of rejection, right? We fear being rejected. So what does men do? We reject you first. And that's why you get a lot of abandoned homes. You get a lot of absent fathers. You get a lot of fathers who are not there. And girls, we're always asking, men, come on, men, rise up, rise up. But we can't because we're catatonically trapped in the bondage of the fear of rejection, the fear of insignificance, the fear of disrespect. And the only antidote to that 
is the fear of the Lord. Where you take the worldly fears and you bring it before God and says, God, I am nothing without you. I'm incomplete without you. Because children, I guarantee you in this place, everybody here is a child. So from father, you turn your, put on another hat, now you're a child. A child, what do we fear? We fear that we will not be able to go to university because my father cannot provide. So we get angry. And, and, and the father says, okay, you fear not being able to go to, I can't provide for you because I don't have that good of a job. I can't send you overseas. So you get angry, he gets angry, the wives get, the wives get caught in between and there's more stress at home. And then the father leaves. And then we've got an absent father. We've got a divorce case. We've got an abuse in the home. And God says, families, come back to me. Like at Mount Horeb, when I gave you the commandments, families and the peoples of Israel, they came before the mountain, before the presence of God, and they bowed before him and says, I will fear the Lord, and I will serve him, and I will love him. And God will turn your worldly fear into a godly fear. And God says, when you fear God, oh, He will keep you within His love. He will keep you and your identity is secured in Him. Men, your place and your legacy is secured in the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to take it by force. We don't have to leave the homes. We don't have to work 24 hours a day because our identity is not first a worker in the workplace. Our identity God says, you are a father. 65 times in the book of Deuteronomy. God never calls Israel, oh, you Israel who are workers in a plantation. Oh, you Israel who are workers in a vineyard. When He called the elders and when He called the men, He called them fathers first. Your responsibility is fathers first. And today I really pray that we come before God and says, God, I want to fear you. You know, this is a very personal message for me because, you know, fearing of God has different levels have different levels. We think we fear of God, but God says, oh, well, that's one out of 10. I want to bring you to two out of 10. I want to bring you to three out of 10. You know, I'm, I'm on this journey myself. Let me just be vulnerable and open as a father here. I'm on a journey myself. Now, my two, my two kids go through a lot of problems, and most, more often than not, I'm very worried. Whatever problem, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know if I can provide enough. I don't know if they'll be happy at home. And I've got to make certain life decisions, the both of us, that may or may not affect my family and our kids. And we've got to make the decisions. And you know, for the last, I don't know, a year or so, I've been praying. I says, God, man, my, my heart is always for my children and the next generation. My heart is there. But God, I, I fear that I will never be a good enough father. I fear that I, I cannot provide enough, whatever they may need. You know, God is so good. In, in my prayer and my quiet time, God sent someone to me. I won't tell you who that is. God sent someone, and that someone said to me, in this person's prayer time, God spoke to this person to speak to me. And there's only one message to me. And God says, have I not provided for your family? And I, and I, and I, and I read that and I recalled, we've had two difficult, complicated pregnancies that could have led to death. But God saved them. God saved my wife, God saved my two kids. And they're here, they're healthy, they're fine. And I says, God, you have provided for my family. They're so good. I says, God, I know, I know, I know. I obey you, I fear you, I know you've provided. God says, no, that's not good enough. And if you, 
If you think that I have provided for your family, why do you not take the next step? Do you not think I will provide for them in the future? To whom do your children belong? You or me? Oh man. When you are a father in this place, I want to say to you, to whom do your family belong? Is it in your hands? Or are you just a steward of God? To say my family belongs to God. And all we need to do, and guess what? The prayer end. Fear me, obey me, love me, serve me. And I open Deuteronomy 6, and that is Deuteronomy 6. Fear me, love me, serve me, obey me. And I want to just assure you that if you come before God and you say, God, I fear you, my eyes will not watch anything because I fear you first and foremost. My hands will not do anything stupid as a father because I fear you and you at most all, my heart and my voice. I will teach my children the ways of the Lord and I will remind them who the Lord is. I will nail it to the door frames. I will nail it to my forehead. I will nail it to my lips because I will tell them all the days of my life that I fear the Lord my God. And God has already promised you that He will lead you into a promised land flowing with milk and honey. You just have to go in and fight for your family to possess. You just need to go in and fear the Lord. And when you fear the Lord and obey Him, God says, I will protect your family. Your family is in the good hands of the Lord God Almighty. You cannot protect your family from bullying. You cannot protect your family. One day you may send your kid out there and he may wander somewhere and who knows what will happen to your kid. You can't protect that kid, but the Lord God Almighty can. And we just need to bow our knees and say, God, I need you leads me to my third point. There is freedom in the Spirit. There is, there is fighting for our families. There is a fear of the Lord and there is a freedom in the Spirit. Now I get this very interestingly from Deuteronomy 6 again. Deuteronomy 6, 20-23 says, In the future, when your son asks you, in the future, when your sons and your daughters ask you as a parent, whether you are a mother or a father, when they ask you, what is the meaning of all this why all these laws and all these rules and all the Ten Commandments? Oh, your Christian faith is a crazy faith. It's preventing me from clubbing and drinking and smoking and watching whatever I want to watch. Why all these laws? Now you tell them, you tell them, we were slaves in our sin. We were bondage in our chains. But the Lord brought us out of our sins with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent miraculous signs and wonders great and terrible upon Egypt and Pharaoh. But He brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land He promised on oath to our forefathers. I love this one. He brought us out from there to bring us in. He didn't just bring us out of our sins and leave us in our, in our ways. Okay, I brought you out. Thank you very much. You have freedom now. You can go on your merry way. No, He brought you out to bring you into the presence of God. And in that presence of God, you are safe. You see, there is freedom. In Israel, there's a freedom from slavery. There's a freedom from being nomads. And God gave them a home. And today, I believe God is saying to all of us here that there is a freedom He wants all of us to experience. You see, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I truly believe that the Spirit of the Lord is here and there will be 
freedom. But you ask me, Pastor Isaac, freedom from what? I just mentioned freedom from our insecurities, freedom from our inadequacies, freedom from our lack of respect in the workplace. You know, if our bosses in the workplace disrespect us, we go home and we take it to our families. We scold our families because of the stress in our workplace. And God says, no, no, no. You come before God when you fight. You fight on your knees with your hands lifted high because the battle belongs to the Lord. And every fear I, I lay at your feet and I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. No one else. No one else. There is a freedom. If you're a child in this place and you've never known a father, God wants to free you today. By the Spirit of God, you release that forgiveness. And says, I may not understand why my father left me, but I'm going to release that forgiveness. And I want to be refathered by God. If you're a child in this place, and maybe you went through a divorce at home, your parents divorced, or maybe you went through a divorce yourself, today there's freedom in the Spirit. And God says, take that hurt and pain and don't bring it to your children. Don't bring it to the next generation. Leave it at the altar of God and God will heal you. And when you father your next generation, when you father your children and your children's children, you don't bring your unforgiveness to them. You don't bring your anger and your bitterness to them. You don't bring your disrespect to them. You don't bring your stress and your anxieties to them. All you bring to them is the love of the Father who has freed you today, freed you families today, freed you to be families of God. You know, I want to, I do want to open the altar today because I truly believe God wants to do a reconciliation in families. And I don't want to open the altar just for fathers. I want to open it for mothers. I want to open it for children. I want to open it for families. That fathers, you bring your family to the altar and you kneel before God and says, God, there, there may be struggles in my family, financial struggles, work struggles. God knows. God knows. He wants to bring you in. But stop fighting each other. Be on the side of God to fight for your families. And I want us to reconcile. Maybe there is a, a fight between husband and wives that you cannot, you can't forgive. You just can't forgive because, oh, the Lord knows you are 99.9% .9 right. And who cares about the 0.1%, right? They're, they're, you know, you, you're right. You can't forgive. You can, you, maybe your partner said something to you by, by the words of, of her or his lips, and you just can't forgive. How dare I'm going to bring this to my grave? How dare you? Did, God says, you bring that to the altar. And maybe children, Parents, come before God and says, God, would you come into my home? Would the Spirit of God move in this place? And I want families to experience that release and that freedom that God wants you to experience today. Can we all rise in this place? I want to read the Shema law to all of us. I believe and I want us all to read this law. I want us to nail it on our foreheads. This law is going to come up. Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 5. Let's read this law and let's own this law. And I want us to open. And I believe that the Spirit of God is here. The Spirit of God will minister to you. Pray that you break generational sins today. Pray that if you, you don't know why I cannot stop being angry, pray that today there will be a breaking of that chains. 
there will be a releasing of that chains, that by the Word of God and the Spirit of God, chains will be broken. Deuteronomy 6, 4-5. Let us read together loud and strong. One, two, three. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Hear, O S-I-B-K-L. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. Let nothing come between you and God. Let no work, let no career, let no greed, let no lust, let no pride ever come between you and the Lord God Almighty that is a Saviour for you and your children and your children's 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 children. And God will guarantee you a legacy for your family that will last for generations to come. I have one testimony before I open the altar. Fathers, just in case you're thinking, Man, if I, if I go forward, if I raise my hands, what will my family think of me? I'm a man. How can I do this? Let me tell you a story. Just months ago, months ago, even I can't remember when, a group of children came up to me. Children. There's pastor, 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 pastor. I said, yes, what's up? How can I help you, man? Pastor, today was the best Sunday in my life. I said, why? Today, I saw my father raise his hands in worship. I want to I wanna, I wanna assure you fathers that your children and your wives don't look at you less of a man. When you raise, they may not say to you, we're Asians, but they won't say to your face. But in their hearts, they are proud of you. They are proud to call you my father. This is the best Sunday because my father raised his hands sing, come Holy Spirit. And I want the Holy Spirit to minister to all of us here. And I want to open the altar right now. Come on forward and kneel before God. This is just a quiet moment before you and God. The leaders and the pastors will not pray for you. Just come on forward and cry before God that says, God, I need you. I need you. I want you to fight for my family. I want you to fight for my family. Thank you, Jesus. If you feel like the place that you are seated at or standing at is your altar, make it your altar. Kneel before God and says, God, I need you in my life. I need you in my families. You know, I have a sense and I want to call a few people out that there is a hurt in your parents. Your parents may not be alive today. Your parents may or may not be alive. They may be elderly, I don't know. But there was a hurt in your parents' life. Maybe they were divorced. Maybe they were almost divorced. Or maybe there was an adultery and an affair in your family. And you as a child, no matter how old you are, you carry that hurt within you. And you've always said to yourself, I fear being my father. I fear being my mother. I don't want to be them. I don't ever want to be them because of that pain. Today, God says, I want to free you from that pain. Come on forward kneel before God and ask God to free you. Ask the Holy Spirit to move and to free your heart and to release that forgiveness to your parents' generation and say that they may have gone through a difficult time, but I release that forgiveness. There are men in this place, wives in this place, that you fear not being able to provide for your family in the future. Come on forward and know that Jehovah Jireh fights for you. 
come on forward and know that Jehovah Jireh wants to provide for you and your family. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. There are two categories I also want to, I, I strongly feel in my spirit. One, wives. Wives, in this place, you may or may not have respected your husband much. And you've had a turbulent marriage because of it. And husbands, you feel like your family don't respect you at all. You may feel nothing in the eyes of this world. I want both to come on forward because God wants to heal you. And God says, in this world, you may look like nobody and nothing, but before God, you are everything. You are everything to Him. Come before God and heal. And God says, I will place the love and the fear of God in your hearts. In this place, as the Spirit moves, can we all, wherever you are, let's start praying in tongues. Let's start praying the atmosphere. Let the Spirit freely flow in this place. Let the Spirit of God freely flow in this place. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Oh, hallelujah. Wives, I feel like you need to release that forgiveness to your husbands. Husbands, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself today. Forgive yourself today that you are not enough in the flesh, but you are enough in Christ Jesus. I have one last category of people I want to call on forward. You are a young man. You are married or to be married, or you are not in a relationship yet. But next generation men, I want to call you forward. Because I believe the battle is won when the next generation men stands up for what is right and righteous before God. I want to call you forward so that you dedicate your life to serving Him. You dedicate your life to loving Him. You dedicate your life to fearing the Lord God Almighty that you dedicate your life and when you get married, you get married to one woman and one woman only. And when you have children, your children and their children will also love and fear the Lord. And if you are fit into the next generation of boys, men, guys, would you come on forward and would you kneel before God and says, God, I am here. Would you change my life forever? Would you speak to me and would you change my life forever? Thank you, Jesus. Come Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. You know, as the Spirit is moving in this place, I really want to open up for healing, a physical healing in this place. As the Spirit moves, I believe God wants to touch some of you here and heal you of whatever you're going through. Two weeks ago, there were a few people that were healed of their physical ailments. So today, if you have a heart problem, place your hand on your heart. And God wants to miraculously heal you. Today, if you have a right shoulder problem, place your hand on your right shoulder and God wants to heal you. Today, if you have a left leg problem, God wants to heal you. 
Put your hands on your left leg and God wants to heal you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we declare healing in this place. In the name of Jesus, we call lame leg to walk in this place. In the name of Jesus, we declare and prophesy that all pain leave the body in this place. In the blood and in the name of Jesus, Father Lord Jesus, may their shoulder pain be gone in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, may your heart be healed in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, will there be restoration in the physical body as there is restoration in the spiritual Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We're going to end this way. We're going to end by saying the Lord fights. And when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted up. I want to pray for families today and release all families to your prophetic destiny. Thank you, Father Lord Jesus Christ. You see every single family here today. And you see all our children down in children's ministry on level three as well. They are our next generation. They are their future, Lord Jesus Christ, is secure in the hands of God. Father Lord Jesus Christ, every family here, Father God, we will love you more. We will serve you more. We will obey you more. And we will fear the Lord for you fight our battles for us. You go before us and you fight our battles. We need just be standing still and know and see the deliverance of the Lord. So Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for the Ruach, the Numa, and the Spirit of God to go into every homes right now, every homes, and release our bondages and turn it into freedom, that we can dance in the freedom of God, sing in the freedom of God, and we can have a meal and pray in the freedom of God. You love families and we love you, God. We love you so much, God. In Jesus' name we all say, Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you so much, church.